Hello, welcome to Fires on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan Jones, your host, and I'm joined today as usual with Roy, my Hello, co-host. Everybody. Hello, everybody. How you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. It's been a it's been an amazing week. Uh, an amazing week on an amazing day. It's sunny and here in Southern California, and it is Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July, Roy. Happy Fourth of July to everyone. Yes, and happy Mackenzie Gore Day. God bless America. God bless America. God bless Mackenzie Gore and his blisterless fingers. God, let's, just, let's keep that. Keeps, yeah, let's hope that keeps going. Anyways, I first of all, I want to just apologize. I, when when you turn on the mic. I just turned into an absolute spaz. I'm trying not to smack anything on the table. I'm going to try to speak in complete sentences and not not be so spastic, but probably not going to hold for too long. I'm just a spaz by nature. So I apologize. I won't ruffle any papers from ruffling any feathers. (laughs) (laughs) Just try to breathe. (sighs) What's the worth of breathing when, you know, you have all that dead air and you need need to talk? But let's, uh, let's get started. Big news, big news. So this last Wednesday, last sorry, Monday, Luis Perdomo was supposed to pitch. And I guess this is the breaking news everyone already knows. It's not really breaking anymore, but right. it, it wasn't a, a well-kept secret. He was scratched from his start. On Wednesday, the Padres had it, had their starter listed as TBA, so it's pretty easy to put it together. He's made, what, eight starts with the, with the um, Chihuahuas, and he was pretty good in all of them. Um, yeah. He was... He was a ground ball pitcher again early in the season. He was giving up a lot of line drives, a lot of hard hit contact. Uh, that seemed to go away once he went to El Paso. He's and, inducing a lot of weak contact and ground balls again, which is his game. And the walks were huge up here in the major leagues. Um, he had uh, walking nine people in 14 big league innings. Um, his last three starts were three consecutive quality starts. Going into a seven uh, and into seven of his last nine starts, he... Uh, he only allowed two more walk, two walks in any Pacific Coast League game, and did not walk a batter this last last Tuesday, yes. week from yesterday. Yeah, free passes are just deadly. I mean, you can't give guys, you can't put base runners on right. the major you, leagues. You'll pay you absolutely. Yeah. So, so he's pitching today, too, and that's what we're doing here today. We're on Fourth of July. We're not only going to record the podcast. We are we're here for a Padres uh, viewing party, or lament. <laughs> no, it's it, no. We're gonna win today. The Padres are gonna. You know, they lost yesterday yeah. because it's the first game of the series. Yeah, and that's their mo. They lose the first game, and then they scratch back, and maybe they'll win the series. This time, we're hoping for a split against Oakland. Yeah, well, we're hoping. But onto uh, onto what we uh, we're here for. Uh, so, put almost three point ten ERA. Uh, currently ranks fifth in the league now that he has thrown enough innings to qualify. It's almost immediately after he went down to El Paso, did he start producing? Uh, I think the first couple starts it was a little bit of rough, but after that was just he was going deep in, in deep in the games, uh, not a lot of hard contact, not a lot of walks, and was just you know automatically just started doing well. I wonder if he was nervous, if he was feeling pressure, if he was thinking too much on the mound in the big in the with the big league team. Yeah, and so that's, then going down to the AAA, it's a different mindset. I'm right. here to work on things. I'm not here to necessarily perform. I'm here to, to work on you know the the homework that they gave me when they right. sent me down. Right, and I also think maybe it's a mindset that like I can blow these guys away, like the confidence game of coming back from the major leagues, going I've done this before, I can do it again, and you just pitching with that relaxation with that confidence, I think goes a long way because baseball is, if anything, it's all about confidence and mindset. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing about the PCL that comes to mind, him being a ground ball pitcher, 
if you give up line drives and fly balls in those PCL ballparks, they turn into home runs real quick. <laughs> so you, you have to put the ball on the ground. Yeah. So maybe that was part of the, the message was you better put the ball on the ground or you're yeah. not going to be successful and you're not going to come up, come back up for a while. But I saw that uh, Andy Green said something to the effect of that we want him to stay around for the whole year. If he would stay up for the rest of the season, everybody would be really happy. Yeah, and people were calling for him to come up a lot earlier because he was doing uh, so well so early uh, in his return to El Paso that we didn't, you know, even with, with several turns of the Johnny Allstaff bullpen for the Major League Club, keep him down there. Keep mm-hmm. him down there to make sure that it's just not a quick fix, that he is consistently doing it. And with what, 10 to have in there? 10, you know, how nine, many starts? Nine starts? Yeah, nine starts. So that's, you know, nine weeks of, of, of being down in the minors and, and working on that. Now, you talk about developing players. Yeah, if, if they would have brought him up after two weeks of being down and he looked good, oh, he looks okay, somebody got hurt, let's bring him right back up, right. that would be kind of a short-sighted decision. Yeah. But by leaving him down there and letting the major league team kind of struggle through these bullpen games, yeah, I, I think that says that they are trying to keep the player development in mind more so than trying to win games. Win, right, win games. Good, absolutely great point. Um, so moving on, that was our major league minute. Yes. <laughs> um, moving on, yesterday was July, uh, July second was the international signing day. Oh, before we get too far okay. from Perdomo, the corresponding ro- uh, move for him coming up, they're sending um, Colton Brewer back down. He was called up yesterday. Mm-hmm. He made one appearance. He did. He pitched a scoreless inning. Nice. And so now he's going back down to El Paso. Anyway, so continue. Yeah, not a lot better than he did last time coming up. Yeah, for and, sure. With that, Kirby H was on uh, paternity leave. Uh, Congratulations, Kirby. Yes. Beautiful baby. Uh, beautiful name. Uh, Coral, I think. Uh, Corey? Kobe? Co- it's, a, Kona? it's an ocean name. Was it Corey or something like that? Very something Hawaiian. Like that. Started with a K. Uh, blessings to him. Anyways, uh, so yesterday, July 2nd, started the um, international signing period. And I was watching the um, missions game last night, and they were talking about how active the Padres. The Padres have already signed 16 players. Even though we're still under penalty from the 2016-17, um, God, extravaganza, spending $40 million on players and the $40 million in the uh, in the penalty phase. So we've already signed 16 guys. So mm-hmm. those funky pictures that you guys saw on Twitter are um, are those, you know, the international signing guys getting the uniforms that I think get sent down to the Dominican. Like once the <laughs> uniforms are out of rotation for the big league club, they don't get no. sent to the... There was one picture that came out. It was a straight-up counterfeit uniform. Did you see that one? Yeah, it was very... The P was, like, totally wrong, and it was the old shampoo logo script. And I I laughed at that. They must have tried to find whatever they could find down there. Maybe the agent forgot to bring something with him when he went down you to know, sign the guy right. and take the picture. You know, and that's so true. You have to be for, you have to have some forethought there. Bring a couple of jerseys and, and different sizes. Yeah, but the picture is the last thing on their mind. They want to get yeah. pen to paper, yeah. and that's their job to go down there. But uh, I, their their approach, since they're limited to three hundred thousand dollars per player, is yeah. quantity. That yeah. sign as many guys, sign all the athletes that you can, um, because these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old. You yeah. don't know what they're going to be right. four, five, six years from now. Yeah. So you just pick the guys that have the athletic frame, the the right kind of motions. Who cares what their performance is right now? Because you've worked with them, you've seen the training, so you have an idea of what they can project into down the road. Uh, so guys like Luis Patino and Andres Munoz, and, and these are guys that were signed for not a lot of bonus, and right. now all of a sudden they're starting to look like something. Yeah, Patino had, what, a low 90s, high 80s fastball? Now he's clocking mid-90s? Yes. Um, 
So yeah, the Padres got what five five point five million dollars, and they plan on spending every single penny of that. Mm-hmm. Um, look for more news for that to come out as as the week's going on. But kind of, kind of going back to um, you know El Paso and, and roster moves with, with the talk of all this um, trading and maybe players moving from the bullpen. You know, we got to bring stuff up. And I, the article in, in Mad Friars, the prospect notes were really interesting in talking about bringing in Roan Wick and Trey Wedgington. Um, up to the big league club and giving them their shot. Yes, and that's the beauty of having having so much pitching down, you know, in the minor leagues to be able to bring those guys up because Trey's been down there for a while and Rowan has uh, has been down there for a while. He just got called up to AAA. Um, it was what he got the spot when uh, Colton Brewer came up. Yeah. So or no, when Robert Stock when Robert Stock was promoted, that's when Rowan Wick went up to AAA. Uh, Rowan Wick is a converted catcher. He was picked up from the Cardinals this off season. Uh, but yeah, you trade away Brad Hand, Kirby Yates, Craig Stam, and that opens up opportunities in the big league team. Yeah, and over uh, Wick over thirty one innings for the missions, he struck out forty two, but walked twenty two. Yeah, he's seen a little bit of improvement in his control recently, and been given a chance to show he's ready. You know, and Wedgington, same thing, picked up the second save in his many opportunities. Big fastball, devastating slider, and with a hard fastball and a really good slider, you can get that's your bullpen guy. Well, and he's like, what, six foot nine, something like that? <laughs> he's seven it's, foot. I mean, it makes me think of Randy Johnson. You see all these all these long appendages flying at you. He's got the long hair like Randy Johnson, yeah. too. So it's just an intimidating sight to see somebody that big yeah, throwing that hard. There's something about a mullet on the mound that makes you just <laughs> I, I, I get this kind of primordial thought of like he's a caveman throwing a ball at you. You don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so people are only hit 200 against uh, Wedgington right now. And now he's just, you know, he's the closer. Well, when you watch Wedgington's appearances, he's either on or he's off. Yeah. He'll either go in and blow everybody away or he gets lit up. Mm. So, I, I mean, that's part of what you try to work out in AAA. But um, yeah, when he's good, he looks really good. Well, hopefully he'll get a shot at the bigs and see what he can do. Yeah, you know, it's I, I year think development. If, if nothing else, we'll see him in September, but we might see him before then. All right, moving on. The AAA All-Star Game is coming up in the next few weeks. I got it down somewhere. Uh, Luis Udias and Brett Kennedy were named to the roster. Mm-hmm. Udias as a reserve, and um, Kennedy, I'm sure they'll probably get they'll probably get both of them in there. But I'm not Kennedy's not a starter, but he's in the bullpen, and those are two All Stars. For the AAA team. Yeah, he Brett Kennedy is one of these guys that he's not on the 40-man roster right now, but he's one of the first names to get picked if they start calling up starters. Yeah, which is going to be nice. We're going we'll to we'll see what we got in him. You know, and if we, had to, if we have to keep him on the, I don't know, after the 40-man, I don't know what we do. If he gets sent back down or... Well, he'll be eligible for the Rule 5 this offseason. That's so, what I wanted to so say. So that's, I could see why they might want to call him up earlier before September, so then they can give him four or five starts and kind of let him settle in and see what he's got and decide if they want to keep him. Yeah. Otherwise, they designate him for assignment and, you know, take their chances, see if they can, um, you know, if he'll clear waivers and come back, you know, in AAA. Yeah. And, and Udius, you know, he isn't, he isn't having the season that we were we were hoping to have. Um, still not as bad. You know, he's hitting... His, hits, his average is okay. It's the strikeouts that are really, really kind of scary. Alarming, but yet still not 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 crazy. Uh, we're gonna shout for the rooftops! Oh my god! Oh my god! What's going on? Well, his his June was better than his May. Mm. In May, he hit two thirty nine with a three fifty seven on base. In June, he hit two eighty with a three eighty one on base. So he's drawn more walks. He's his strikeout rate went down a little bit, 
But it's a big step up going from double A to triple A, yep. and the kid just turned 19. Yeah. So he's seeing advanced pitching. He's seeing guys that know how to sequence, that know how to locate breaking balls. It's it's a, a step up. So, yeah, he's got elite contact and strike zone command, but you still it, it, it takes training. It takes reps. Right. And, uh, you know, Tatis said it, and I'm going to say it for Urias, wait till September see where he rolls out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah, and there's no sense in pushing a guy if he's not ready. Absolutely. So that's it for El Paso. We're going to a San Antonio. Oh man, San Antonio. Oh. I I wish I was in San Antonio so I could go to some of these games. This roster is just ridiculous. Before we go on to San Antonio, I just went off script as usual because I'm the spaz that I am. This last week, this last Saturday, we attended the CST Social Summit yes. with the Padres. Uh-huh. Uh, that's where I skipped right over that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Mark went in for the spaz. Um, the Padres tweeted out, I think they put it on Facebook, they put it out on social media, a, a reply to apply. Me and Lindy were actually, me and my wife were out of town when they actually did it. So we got back and we see all this reply to apply stuff. And I threw it out there. I, a, I was going to be your plus one, and Liddy was going to be Angela's plus one. Mm-hmm. Then I, um, I just out of you know the just in desperation, reply to apply. I want to show up. Please let me go. I'm a big fan. La la la. Um, and they replied, and I was on the list twice. Woo! <laughs> so they had what was it about forty or fifty people there? I guess Nikki said eighty. Really? I think maybe after we went to the suites and everything was over, more people showed up. Okay. But she said 80, and I don't think 80 fit in that room. That didn't look like 80 people no. to me. But regardless, it was a good showing. And the, the cool thing, we were talking to Angela about this before we started. The cool thing to me was that this was the first time that I went, and I knew a whole bunch of people there. Yeah. Before, when I would go to one of these, I'd know a couple of people maybe. Yeah. And everybody would kind of look around like, I'm not sure who I know. This time... Before the 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 show started, everybody right. saying hi to everybody. Right. You're meeting new people. You're like, oh, what's your handle? Oh, I know you. You did. and so it was it was cool. It's like you're you're meeting new old friends, um, exactly. and that, it's nice. There there really is kind of a community around around Padres Twitter, and I love that about. I'm I'm the sensitive guy. I, I like community. I like a sense of belonging. I like. Um, to belong to something. And, and, you know, as rough as Padres Twitter is, as rough as being just online and the anonymity of it, I love being a part of something, particularly for my hometown team. It's my hometown team. Mm-hmm. I grew up with the world of disappointment following this team. Um, anyways, to get back to the, uh, the social summit, so they put us up in one of these rooms. Um, we're all sitting around, and it was kind of cool that they had the, the direct, uh, Nikki and... Um, Maddie, and, Maddie Justin. And, and Justin, all the the heads of the um, online content for the Padres, uh, they talked a little bit, had a little bit of panel there, and they brought in Uncle Teddy, and uh, I think he got a standing ovation. Yes, he did. Yeah, you know, um, say what you will about Ted Leitner, but I remember watching him and Skippy on Channel Eight when I was in junior high, um, and then having to become a pod, you know, the broadcaster for the Padres. He's been the voice. He's our voice of the Padres. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jerry Skippy died. and that, you know, with Ted going through the 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 kidney. Um, I, I guess you would say cancer, although it wasn't malignant, thank, yeah. thank goodness. But we've lost Larry Himmel, yeah. and we lost Lauren Nancaro. I know Lauren Nancaro yeah. had a brain tumor. And yeah. so some of these broadcasters that we grew up with, that in my family, we watched the news every night. Yeah. And so Ted Leitner was in our home every night. Yeah. My mom loved Lauren Nancaro, and Larry Himmel did all the funny stuff. <laughs> so you grow up with these personalities, you kind of feel like you know them a little bit. And so having Ted Leitner right there in front of us, 
We can ask him questions. He can tell us stories. He can go. He can be off color because there's no microphone in front of him. And he was quite <laughs> off color. He go off color. The um, <laughs> whew, yeah. The, the stories he was telling, you know, not only about Jerry Coleman and just the gratitude he has for for not having cancer. Because the doctor said every time I've seen this on the screen, it said cancer and it equals uh, short lifespan. And having it come back as benign um, is like winning a lottery. You know, and, and he would, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. He's like, I don't want to die. I can't die before the Padres at least make the playoffs. Or at least some of the young talent come up to the bigs. Mm-hmm. All these Cubans. And then he named Anderson Espinosa. I don't remember hearing him say Anderson Espinosa. I, I think Anderson Espinosa is Venezuelan. but He is Venezuelan. Um, but he, he what, what touched me was he said he's not a religious person, but I've heard him say this a few times, that he really believes that all of the well wishes and the pr- thoughts and the prayers from the fans and the community that had something to do right. with that test coming back yeah, the way right. that it did. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. And I prayed and I, and I had thoughts and, you know, I sent my thoughts that way for uh, healing. And anyway, so he, he told some stories. He uh, took some questions and that was kind of cool. And then, you know, and then who closes it out? Trevor comes out next. And, um, you know, it, it's, he's such a freaking nice guy. He's such a like, I don't know, as a pro athlete being bounced from here to there and have to go there and just like, I think I'll get sick of it. But he doesn't, he generally, uh, I think, has fun doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that he showed up and said, I don't know what the hell we do with these things. So questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we went right into questions and, you know, there were this obligatory questions like, well, who taught you your change up? Yeah, we've heard that story plenty of times. Oh, my God. but but there were good questions asked. What he does with when he goes works with the players and the minors. Right. What he does with um, like developing coming up, growing up as a as an infielder and then converting to the to the mound. How that transition was. And um, I know uh, what was it Maggie asked a question about because her kid was there mm. who looked like he was eight or ten years old. So you know, what got you into baseball and and all of this. So it was, it's just, it's neat hearing those kinds of questions firsthand, being able to ask the question to the guy, you know, having his audience. So that was, that was definitely a treat. You know, and real quick, just having him available almost kind of ruins it for me. Like, I I mean, I've had the guy drunk spit in my face. Congratulations on your, you know, on your proposal to your wife. But something about having a Hall of Famer, like so close and like him be ours, I had swell with pride, but yet I'm like, God, it's just, I, I feel like he should be untouchable. Like, I, I want him to be less accessible you in know, some weird, bizarre way. I'm just freaking weird that way. I wonder if that's part of my fascination with Tony Gwynn, because I never met the guy. I never got to get his autograph yeah, or, or be up close with him. Um, you know, you, you see the interviews and everything, so it's like you make up in your mind what you think this person's really like. Yeah. Um, with him, everybody says that he is that guy. You yeah. know, behind closed doors, he's the same dude. Um, and you hear that about some celebrities that, yeah, they'll glad hand and they'll sign all the autographs, but then there's a whole different side to them behind right. the curtain. Ugh, I got to do that again. Ugh. Yeah. You know, um, and that's the beauty of, of having a guy so nice and so accessible. Yeah, but I get the impression that Trevor Hoffman, I mean, you run into him at the grocery store, he's going to be the same dude. Then, after that, we all got rushed to the suites. So, they had four suites in the, down on the right field side. Um and it was just like, it was so great running into people that you saw online. And like, hey, I'm SC Hackeye. Like, he came up to me first. I'm like, what's this dude? Hey, dude, you're SC Hackeye. Oh, and then he's from Imperial Valley. My parents uh, went to high school in Imperial Valley. So we had that kind of in common and just strike up that conversation. And like you said, it's just great 
hanging out with people that you don't know online and then coming to find out they're decent people. Yeah. You know, and they're not jerks or they're not, you know, as much as we argue and, and banter and debate online, that they're genuinely good people. Yes. At least for that few hours that we were together. Mm-hmm. But so we're hanging out in the, in the uh, we're hanging out in the suite and I turn around and, and Lydia, my wife's like, where's Roy and Angela? So we're looking around, and I think she might have texted you guys and said, hey, what's going on? And, you know, short attention span me. I'm like, I'm watching the game, talking to people. I hardly watch any of the game. but And then a little while later, Lydia gets a photograph on her phone of of a ring? Of a ring? <laughs> yes. So what happened there? Well, Angela and I decided to go walk around. You know, there was plenty of time before the game started when they had released us all from the, from the, the summit. And so we decided to go walk around the park. And we went over to the Tony Gwynn statue, and I asked somebody to take our picture, and we got in front of the thing, and I pulled a little box out of my backpack and got down on a knee, and I I popped the question. And wow. she said yes. <laughs> so and it, 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 I wasn't even thinking about who was there or anything like that, because when we got back up to that to that suite, it was like we had our own engagement party right there. And it was awesome. A yeah. whole bunch of our good friends were right there to celebrate with us. Yeah. And then the Padre social media people DM'd us and said, hey, can we send a photographer up? So the photographer came. His name is Campbell. He came up and took our picture and they tweeted it out. And then it kind of blew up from there. We became a thing. I had, it's just It was a thing. It was like Representative Scott Peters, I think. He's a representative, yeah? Yeah. And a bunch of other people I didn't know that looked a lot more important than I am were like saying congratulations. And then just to really stop there a minute, with every fantastic story, you always got to have the haters. You always got to have the people that are just... The anonymity of online allows people to be complete and utter douches. Mm -hmm. We'll have to put the tag on this one because we don't cuss in this one, but I just cursed. Um, And... It's sad that people have to do that. It's sad that have, people have to like just kind of rain on your parade. And yeah, well, the one that the one that that did was this guy that lives in Cincinnati apparently, and he says, <laughs> "What a shitty place to get engaged at Peco Park with the Padres." It, this is Peco Park is consistently ranked as one of the most beautiful, amazing ballparks right. in the in the nation. Right. We share a love for the Padres. We share a respect for Tony Gwynn. To be able to do it right there could not have been a more perfect place for the two of us. And we live in San Diego, Ohio. Yeah, I think this guy's just <laughs> jealous that he lives in a shithole like Cincinnati. But anyways, and there was that, and it was it was great. Oh, yeah, and he's a Rockies fan, too. In Ohio. Or he should be a Cincinnati Reds fan. God, we're giving this guy way too much play. Way too much play. Moving on. The next day, so then uh, the boys at Ben and Woods picked up on it, where uh, Ben... Uh, ben oh, right, had, right away, Steve Woods was like, we right. got to have this guy on. He tweeted right. that out to their to their uh, producer, Paul Reindel. He's like, we need to have them on the show. You know, and Ben and, ben and Steve are in the periphery, are and sometimes in the middle of Padres Twitter, because they're sports guys. They love sports and they love the Padres. Um, they had you guys on yesterday. Yes. Yeah, so they had us come down to the studio. Was that yesterday or Monday? Oops. Was it yesterday? Oh, I'm allowed to talk. I was, I was, just, I was just observing and being quiet. <laughs> A- Angela, thank you very much, Angela. But Angela's here. It was Tuesday, was it not? It was yesterday. Okay, it's yesterday been a whirlwind was... week. Yesterday's Tuesday, yes. Yeah, so they had us down there. Um, so we drove down, we met up. We were on there for, what, about a 10-minute segment of their show. Um, so they asked us what our story was. We got to tell our story of how we met and all of that. 
and then Stephen Woods had some vows prepared for us. He I love a, the vows. He had a quote-unquote surprise. And I, so I was like, oh. Honestly, though, the first thing that popped into my head was, did they somehow figure out? Because everybody on Twitter wants us to get married, and everybody wants to be there, right? Yeah. I mean, they want us to get married at Petco. And I thought, did they somehow figure out how that's going to happen? Oh, my God. And then it was vows, and I was like, while we were doing it, oh, please, God, don't let him have gotten officiated and didn't tell us. <laughs> Online, $19. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was just for fun. It was just for fun. So, you know, we, we vowed to be true to each other through the good times and the bad times, through all the Brian Mitchells and Jose Perillas. Um, <laughs> Till Tatis do we part. Already said Mackenzie Gore. That was great. It was uh, Chris Paddock and Mackenzie Gore. Gore, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, and, and fantastic for that. That's that's really sweet. And um, first thing, lady said after she heard you guys going on the radio, why didn't we get that? Well, you know, uh, three years ago we didn't have cool sports radio uh, talk on. Uh, cool people do. Uh, right? Or yeah, yeah, they are. They're an entertaining couple of guys to listen to, but they are good people. They're they interact with the community and everything. So I like them. So let's get back to baseball. Yeah. So where were we? We were on San Antonio. San Antonio. So you were about to talk about all these home runs Fernando Tatis keeps So smashing. in honor of Roy and Angela's engagement, um, Hudson Potts, I'll, uh, Fernando Tatis, hit two dingers that night. Yes. And uh, later on, we'll talk more about uh, Hudson Potts and the Lake Elsinore Storm hit two bombs. Well, and then yesterday, Josh Naylor hit two bombs. So it's it's a union of baseball home runs. Good things come in twos, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, Fernando Tatis has been on a tear. The strikeups are still there. Uh, the strikeouts, sorry, are still there, but you know he's uh, he's got 24 walks in his last 51 games. He's only str- uh, just six times in 24 games, and a- after doing so, sorry, just six times in 24 April games. His walk rate is at 30 percent, but his strikeout rate is also ticked back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which once again, he's 19 in an advanced league. Um, he's going to put up a 2020 season, yeah. in Double A at 19 years old. Yeah, and I so- think as a power hitter, sorry. And I think as a power hitter, I think those strikeouts will always kind of be there. They will. When you swing that hard, that's going to be part of your profile. Right, right. And that's, you look at the major leagues. I mean, look at Aaron Judge. He strikes out a ton, but he's still one of the most valuable players in the league. Yeah. In fact, I think last night was his 100th strikeout in the season. Yeah. I got that in my notes. Yeah, and Tony Gwynn never struck out 100 times in a season. No, it took Tony Gwynn several seasons to... Well, and that's the game has changed. It has. It has. But he's hitting for power. He's drawing the walks. He's getting on base. Uh, for the month of June, he hit 330 with a 413 on base average. Yeah. Nine extra base hits and eight stolen bases in 10 attempts in a month. That's that's insane. And so you start looking at the list of people that did what he's doing at his age, and it's Mike mm. Trout and Manny Machado and guys like that. I mean, legitimate MVP-caliber type players. Uh, his walk rate has increased every month. Uh, from 5.9 in April to 9.6 in May and 12.5 in June. That's just what he did last year. Exactly. Every month, his numbers got better month by month. And so hopefully we continue to see that progression through AA, which is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, usually you see guys take a step back for a, for a good chunk of the year. If not he, the whole year. He took a step back for a month and then picked right back up where he was. And in that month, he had strep throat and it was 30 degrees outside right. in Indiana. So it... You can't really look at that first month and put any weight on it. Um, Jake, with Nick's moving on to roster notes here for the San Antonio uh, missions, he misses a turn in the rotation Thursday. He was put on the seven-day disabled list retroactive to Wednesday. It's an indication that the, you know he's probably going to make his next start. Yeah, and they said it was a non-physical 
ailment. I'm curious what that means. But anyway, so Andres Munoz was was pulled up to take his place. So a 19-year-old kid that throws 100 miles an hour, there were concerns about his elbow this spring. But I guess he's healthy because he's back back up there throwing fire. Um, I imagine once Nix comes back from the DL, he'll get sent down. But, man, more Uh, hot talent lava. Well, it would be nice to see how – it would be nice to see Andres Munoz stay there. For a little bit, just give him a little more taste. Because where's he gonna? That hundred miles an hour is gonna play in Tri City. It's gonna play in in Fort Wayne. It's gonna play in the Cal League. Well, they That's, can kick him down to Lake Elsinore so we can watch him for at least half a season. All right, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, last Saturday, Logan Allen finally gave a burn run in his first three straight scoreless outings. He is. That's all he's allowed. He's gonna just one run on ten hits over the last twenty five innings with twenty six strikeouts. The Pirates don't have much, you know, they don't have, they have to put on the 40-man this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before the winter comes, he'll have to be on the 40-man, so we might see him this September. But at the same time, there's no there's no need to rush him up to evaluate him right. like a Brett Kennedy. Right. right. He, he's still, he's learning. He's, he's young. I think he just turned 21. Uh, so he's one of the younger guys in the league, and he's performing very well. So let him take his natural progression. Yeah, we don't need to rush him. Limit the innings with him, mm-hmm. and See, let that happen naturally. So next on your list is Cal Quantrill here, and he got he got roughed up, and it's it's funny he'll go through stretches where he looks really good, and then he'll he yeah. started the season rough. He had four or five cons- straight yeah. good outings, and there was a really good article. Um, there was an interview with Dennis Lynn on the Athletic with Cal Quantrill talking about his development and what he's working on. Uh, but yeah, he got he got touched up a little bit. I watched that game, and uh, you know. Tatis had the error, and that inning he ended up loading up the bases, and then pop. You know, just he he gets two strikes on the guys, and he he, he must be developing that final wipeout pitch because he's not finishing guys. And you have to have after you get two strikes, you have to get the swing and miss, or you got to produce weak contact. You got to get them to put the ball in play, something. But he's not. They're fouling it off, fouling it off, and then he's making that mistake, and they're capitalizing on it. Um. Tatis making that error was only his 10th error in 70 games. Okay. Yeah, that was, uh, I heard that and wrote that down from the uh, from the missions announcers. Uh, and he's been playing shortstop pretty much exclusively down there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I don't think he's played one inning and a third. Good. Let him play shortstop as long as he can. You know, people say that he's going to slide over to third base. Let that happen when he's 27, 28 years old and he's a big hulking slugger. You know, while he's athletic, let him play short. Exactly. Um... He's allowed 16 runs and 12 earned over the last 14 innings. His command, you know, he once again, he struggles to finish hitters with two strikes and, and innings with two outs. Uh, the homer on Monday was, uh, homer from Tatis was his 15th homer, and he still has 14th base. Whoop! Yeah. He's on pace for a 2020 season in double-A at 19. It's insane. I have some more got on here that Andres Munoz, he's, he's made two appearances, two innings pitch, two hits, two walks, two strikeouts. Uh, no earned runs. I had the, yeah, I had that last night. All right, I had that uh, a couple of days ago. Pardon me. All right, so on to Lake Elsinore. Yeah. Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock had his first truly rough outing of the season. Six innings pitched, ten hits, four earned runs, only four strikeouts. He didn't walk anybody. But uh, yeah, I guess eventually, sooner or later, the guy's not going to have it. Or you run into a team of players that just can rec- they can recognize the the. Um, the change up, the spin, sit on up. it, and then sit on fastball, which is when you get to the big leagues, guys can start doing that. Yeah, I mean, 
with those two pitches, he's a one-inning kind of pitcher. I and mean, you can't go out there with fastball changeup. I mean, unless it's a churve like Joey Lucchese, he's getting away with it. But Trevor Hoffman made a career with that with that repertoire with those two pitches. Yeah. So right now, I think that's why some people say that he may be a future reliever. Uh, but he's got the curveball that's kind of a show-me pitch right now. He's trying to develop it. Um, I, all the scouts seem to think that he's going to stay as a, a starter. starter. But there is the chance that he winds up becoming a reliever if if these kinds of struggles become a thing once he gets up to the more advanced levels. Well, and, and, and thinking about that for a minute, we see all these starters, some doing well, some not doing well. They all, everyone starts as a starter. Mm-hmm. Every single pitcher in the minor leagues was a starter at some high school or some college. They're not all going to end up starters. We only have five spots in the rotation. And if we picked up, you know, the five cream of the crop out of all our minor leaguers, if we end up with a Chris Paddock or a, a, a Baez in, in the bullpen or a Morajone in the bullpen as a lefty Brad Hand type guy and we're just dominating, that's that's World Series stuff. Well, if they're and pushed you, to the bullpen because of the depth in front of them, yeah. oh yeah, sign me up for that. Absolutely. Um, Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Ramirez got out, came off the uh, disabled list and made, a st- and made a start. Carter Katz came up. Oh, where do I have that? Yeah, yeah, Carter, Carter Caps joined the storm. He came up from Tri Cities. Yeah, thank you very much. Can't read my own uh, my own notes. And then Adrian Moore was quietly placed on the disabled list. Yeah, no announcement about that. He just kind of disappeared. So there was a neck injury earlier this year. I wonder if it's related I've to got, that. I've got notes here. Uh, he was put on the DL because of muscular soreness in the flexor area. Flexor of what? Right. Every joint has a flexor. <laughs> flexor area. It's nebulous, well, and that's fine. With the Padres, they don't need to tell us exactly what's going on. Uh, he might return around the middle of the month. Well, if you're talking the flexor of the forearm, then that's that's don't, don't, uh, yeah, that's no, not no, we're going to talk no, about no, that. No, 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 never mind. Uh, getting back to Michelle Baez, his his start last night was really good. Um, the first time through the lineup, he had struck out six of the nine batters, allowing two walks and no runs. The next time through the order, he gave up four hits and one run, no strikeouts. The third time through the order, three hits. In five at-bats, one strikeout. So he's getting through the order three times. And at least for last night, you know, having consistent results, not allowing the runs, working on pitch mixing. And he was on last night. The fastball, really good fastball command. Um, Were you up there? Did you go to the game? No, I watched it on, uh, it was the Modesto. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw you comment about it. So I've, I see a comp here to Chris Young, and I've heard that called out a few times, I guess due to his size. He's yeah. a, like a left-handed Chris Young. And I, I like that because Chris Young thrived because of command. He was never a blow-him-away blow kind of a pitcher. Baez has the high 90s fastball. Right. And if you can live at the top of the zone, yeah, like Chris Young does, yes. we have something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the deception and the release point, I guess, is, is similar to Chris Young, and the extension, too. You know, when you're six foot nine, you 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 shorten that distance. The sixty yeah. feet six inches yeah. now becomes closer to fifty five, fifty feet. Uh, he's thrown seventy seven pitches for forty six strikes. This is last Wednesday. Um, give me a second here. His, inning, his innings count is going up a little bit. So naturally, as as pitchers progress through the years, each year they ramp up their innings totals. Yeah. Looks like this year he's going to wind up somewhere north of a hundred innings pitched. Last year, he was in short season in the summer league. So there again, in the summer league, you can just go out there with an electric fastball, and if you can locate it, good luck. Nobody's going to hit right. you. You can carve yeah. through guys. The velocity is, is there. Yeah, but now he's working his breaking stuff into there a lot more. 
Um, so on my notes here, I've got Edward Olivares. He hit two triples the other day. He's got an 11-game hitting streak going on. Um, you mentioned Hudson Potts, two homers. He finished the month of June with a triple slash of 270, 365, 551. He's, I think he's 19, one of yep, the youngest guys 19. in the league, so I doubt he's going to get called up, but man, he is just hitting. And then Buddy Reed, he hit 311, 382, 500 for the month, and he's got 33 steals. He leads the entire organization in stolen bases. And the power and the speed up and down the minors is so exciting. Yeah, I I, I love Huddy Potts. Like, that's my third baseman in, th- in two years. Yeah? Three years, probably. More than likely three years. At 19, they're not going to push him up at 21. But I would say in three years, if he continues on this rise, that's our third baseman. That's our anchor at the corner. I hope you're right, because third base has been a challenge. It has been a huge challenge. And, you know, thinking on the big league club for a second, if we can keep someone there to just kind of like what we've been doing with shortstop, like mm-hmm. one-year rental, one-year rental, one-year rental, you know, be it if, if it's going to be Villanueva and the big league club for the next few years while he comes up, maybe even a Ty France uh, comes up for a spell as he continues his development, um, Heidi Potts, that is. I want to see Heidi Potts be our third baseman for the future. That would be nice. Eggy Rosario hit two home runs as well. Little short, yeah, it's, people talk about how little Eggy is. He's like 5'9". 170 pounds soaking wet. He's not, he's not tiny. You know, you walk up to, the, to him on the street, he'd be an ordinary-sized dude, but we, we forget how big athletes are becoming. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Eggy Rosario had his second multi-homer game of the year. He's another, I think he's 18 years old, and he's having a great season in, in single A. You know, and I... I you know, my schedule changed. I was going to go to the game this Friday, me and Liddy were, but my schedule changed, and I'm not going to be able to make any of those games this weekend, so I'm bummed about missing my Storm games. You know, Ronald Bolano stumbled through the first two months of the season, giving up a whopping 28 earned runs in his first 36 innings, but the 21-year-old righty settled into a groove recently, throwing 30 innings in June with a 3.3 ERA and 29 strikeouts. That is not bad. That not, is not bad at all. Um, let's move on. Fort Wayne. Osvaldo Hernandez. So Osvaldo Hernandez did not make the all-star team, but he leads the league in ERA. Yeah. I guess he had a couple, he had a couple of rough starts to start out and now he's just been, he's been cruising. I love, I love Osvaldo Hernandez. He pitched last night and was hitting with command, was, was mixing his pitches, uh, really well. Uh, I got his numbers here from last night somewhere. I don't got it, but let's read the last one as they start. Um, he dropped his, his ERA to 2.18. Despite posting a season high in hits and a season low in strikeouts, the 20-year-old lefty is still allowed just one earned run. After surrendering three earned runs in each of his first two starts, Hernandez has not allowed more than two earned runs in the 10 starts since. Consistency. Consistency. And last night I was watching the game, and just he... The kid, he gets up there. He's he's a quick. Like he can finish the game in an hour and a half. So I saw there was somebody was talking to. I think Bert Hooten is the pitching coach there. He is, and they were talking about his pace that he works fast, and sometimes he gets working too fast that he starts to rush his delivery. He starts to rush his mechanics, and that's when he starts leaving pitches up, getting in trouble. Yeah. So they've been working on that, on working with his rhythm to slow him down just a tick, because you love a guy that works fast. Yeah. I. If you let a batter think too much, then you're going to give them time to start working things out. Right. You want that first pitch to come in. All right, get in the box because here's the next one coming. 
don't give the pitch the batter enough time to recalibrate and get ready for okay he just threw me a fastball away maybe he's going to throw me a breaking ball inside maybe he's going right. to throw me something soft up and in yeah don't give him time to think through those processes yeah. just bring that next pitch i love it and speaking of that that was a great article recently and, and folks uh, if you guys haven't subscribed to mad fryers you got to subscribe to mad fryers put down the copy for one day five dollars a month you get fantastic content there's an excellent article on on the interview with Osvaldo Hernandez and and before that was Sam Gini. Yes. Talking about uh, talking about the minor leagues director of player development. Yeah. And then just uh, just yesterday or this morning, uh, Marcus Pond they released Marcus Pond's player of the month where he went through every affiliate uh, mm-hmm. talking about the top three or four guys in each each affiliate kind of like what we do kind of like what we take from, um, but fantastic article good. Good content, lots of good numbers. So that's my that's my push for Mad Friars, John Conniff, the Overlord. Yes, thank you, John Conniff and uh, David J and all the guys down there. Uh, so last Thursday, Mackenzie Gore it pitched. He walked away with a clean line, but did allow two hundred runs in the first. Had it you know, loaded the bases after an error. Uh, four innings, anyone pitches season high for Gore, but he continues to flash strong ability to strike out guys. I. You know, it's real early, and we just want to let him. I don't care about the numbers. I really don't. No. Throw, throw strikes, sure. Um, but I just want him to build up arm strength. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this year his ERA is in the fives, I, I don't care. Well, I want their arm know, to get strong. Maybe he's working on sequencing. Maybe right. he's working on location. Maybe he's you, they've got, they got a little couple of mechanical things they've got him working through. I wonder what they've done to address the blisters. If they're changing, maybe changing his grip a little bit on, right. a, on one or two of his breaking pitches. Absolutely. And they're not going to tell us about that. They're not going to say anything about that in the media. No. They're just going to let it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so on to Fort Wayne. Yeah. Wait, no, we're still in Fort Wayne. We're still... Okay, Aaron Leisure <laughs> has allowed only three earned runs over his last 24 and a third innings while averaging a strikeout per inning. Um, like Nick Margavicious, he seems to be biding time until a ro- rotation spot opens up in Lake Elsinore. Yeah. So Aaron Leisure doesn't... Leisure and Margavicious don't draw the attention that Baez and Gore and Mar- these guys... Mar- and Yeah, Montreal. but there's a lot of depth in, in the pitching um, up and down the system. And then Robbie Podorsky. I love undersized, speedy guys. Robbie Podorsky is he's five foot nothing. He was drafted in the 25th round last year, and he had a really strong season in Tri Cities. Um, and then this year, in 34 games with Fort Wayne, he's hitting 352, 396, 472 with 27 stolen bases. He's a gazelle too. He is. He's a legitimate 80 grade runner. So he's the fastest guy on on the field any day he plays. You know, and if you follow some of the, like I follow a couple of the uh, the news guys in in Fort Wayne, and one of the news guys has like a carpooling with players segment, and they had a uh, they had Robbie Podorsky on there, and he talked about his love of candy. Okay. And so, uh, just something about he, he doesn't like chocolate. <laughs> Although he'll eat Reese's peanut butter cups, he hates chocolate, but he likes candy. Okay. Like um, Skittles and Starburst. Yeah, Skittles. Skittles are his go-to. Um, and I thought that was that was kind of funny. So maybe it'll be like Marshawn Lynch, how people were throwing Skittles down on there. Maybe that's what we'll do with Podorsky. Start <laughs> throwing candy at him uh, on the field? Well, how do, where do you think he gets all that energy from? <laughs> he's out there on a sugar high. Right? The, the speed. I'm a big fan. He's, he's probably going to move up to Lake Elsinore here. Sooner or later, it's getting to that point where 
we need to start moving these guys up. Guys are going to have to be taken off, moved up. Mm-hmm. It's a few weeks past the All-Star break. I don't know particularly, and well, at least this year, I'm going to write down when they started moving guys up. for Because once one move start, everyone kind of moves up a notch. It's like yes. a conga of a minor league Yeah, like movement. a domino kind of. Everybody's settling in. Well, that's about all I got for, for Fort Wayne. Okay. Moving on to the Tri-Cities. You know, the Tri-Cities... Grant Little made his, made his professional debut. He had a walk in his first plate appearance and collected a pair of RBI singles in the game. He's got a hit. I read somewhere this morning that he's got a hit in every game he started. And it's only, it's only been three games. Four at most. But he's got a hit in every game. He's going to be anchored in the third, uh, third in the lineup for the whole season. Uh, Owen Miller has hit safely in all but two of his starts. He's, Blake Hunt has done so in every game this season. The three walks give him 14 in 11 professional games against only four strikeouts for Blake Hunt. So Owen Miller and Grant Little, I don't know why I get those two guys confused. One of them is an infielder, one of them is an outfielder. Little's the outfielder, Owen Miller's our shortstop. Okay, but I've gotten the impression that both of those guys are going to be moved around the field quite a bit mm-hmm. as they try to figure out, because they're both they're hitters. Right. They're hitters more than anything. Right. They're athletes in the field. Um, but when you get somebody with a bat like that, it's like you want to give them any opportunity to move up that you can. So you look at like Josh Naylor being a first baseman only, he was kind of limited. And then when you've got, you've got Will Myers and, uh, and Hosmer, the big league level, you've got Alan Craig and you've got a couple other guys that it's, it's limiting how, how much can you move up? So then having a little bit of defensive versatility, if there's an opening at second base somewhere, if they need a left fielder, then both of these guys will get experience doing that. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, with and with catching, Kyle Street was a catcher for came up through um, came up from the storm to the missions. You got Austin Allen there. So where's Kyle Overstreet going to go? He's playing first base. They third play him base. to first base. Keep that stick in the lineup mm-hmm. and teach him a new position. Mm-hmm. It seems like catcher is the the first base is the go to. Once you leave the catcher position, it's first base. It's first base or our bench coach. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but moving him out from first base out to left field, uh, you're right. It shows some versatility. Let's the athleticism kind of shine through. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Dallas struck out another two across one and one-third innings. In the 10 innings this season, Dallas had 17 strikeouts compared to four walks. That's your boy. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice guy. I, mean, you meet, I met him... Had a conversation with me when we were in spring training, yeah. um, but and I, I had no idea, I and mean, I knew that they that he was drafted out of high school out of Canisius in what New York, I think. Mm-hmm. But last year he's already thrown more innings this year than he did last year with nine fewer runs allowed in your notes, um, and that's that's what you want to see when once they get to affiliate balls to start using some of that stuff that they developed in the complex. Putting it to practical use and seeing where it works in, mm-hmm. in short season. Well, last year he was hurt, and now he's healthy, and he's finally able to do you know, what we expected him to do or what yeah. he was drafted for. Yeah, so many of these guys, they'll get to a point, they'll burn out, or they'll get hurt, and they never quite recover. They never, you know, Maybe the breaking ball never comes back. Who was it? I, there was somebody I saw. They broke their hand. They wound up having, there was something that happened at home. There was some weird dude that they had to confront, broke their hand, and as a result, they never got the life back on their fastball. They got the velocity back, but it never had the movement because ah. of an injury that they had. And, Interesting. Yeah, and so the, their career was done. And that's the difference between, because this guy was a dominant reliever in the major leagues, and then he couldn't even get outs in AAA anymore. And it's just that it's gone that quick. 
some some notes that I have written down from uh, from this morning. Boasting three of the top ten starters in ERA, the Tin Cap started the the Midwest League ERA leader as Valdo Hernandez last night. He's a two point ERA. It's dropped from two point eighteen. I just said. 15 minutes ago. Uh-huh. Um, and once again, through a terrific game. Tornado Cuban allowed no runs in a start for the fourth time in his last 10 starts. Move him up. Move <laughs> him up. Move him up. we got to see what some of these guys can do. Prowler talked about them being aggressive, moving these guys up. Like It's going to be real interesting to see who does move up. He's still young though. I'm trying to I'm trying to click through here. And yeah, see. but we got Adrian Morajon that's young. He was we signed. Have... He's a Cuban. He was signed with Morajon and Baez mm-hmm. and Bolaños. He's oh he's 20. Yeah, which is still very young for that level. Right, but not yeah. It would still be. He's nearly two years younger than the average guy in the Midwest League. So let's see what they can do in the Cali League. All in right, the, in the hitter friendly Cali League. Um. After hitting his home run in the All-Star game, left fielder Joff Naylor hit his third, had his third multi-home run game uh, of the year. All those home run, all multi-home run games that come against Arkansas. Uh, this was his first home run for the mission since June 10th, though. With his first inning home run, Naylor eclipses his total from last year, 10. With his ninth inning two-run shot, Naylor tied his career high for home runs in 12, but in 43 fewer games. The two home runs also put Naylor at ninth in the league in home runs. He is also second youngest player in the top 15. The youngest player on that list is Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> ah! So, which I think when you guys get married, there should be a photograph of Tatis in the top of the, what is it? The, uh, like hanging above us or yeah, something? Yeah, well, I don't know what that's called. <laughs> the, the awning or the arbor. I'm not sure. I think it's called the arbor okay, yeah. that you marry under. Picture well, of Tatis. Like, Austin Allen is on those lists too. Yeah. So now we did skip over the AZL. So Joey Cantillo, he has yet to, to give up a, a, a an earned run in 13 and two-thirds innings. He's walked only three, struck out 15. J.C. Cosme is uh, is pitching again after Tommy John surgery. Um, he's the guy that the Padres got for Odrissimer Despagne. Yeah. Um, and then Tucupita Marcano. I love that name. I'm going to say Tucupita. Tucupita? It's a C. Tucupita, it sounds. Tucupita. It's Tucupita. Okay, maybe. Like Orlando Cepeda. Uh, uh, right. <laughs> but uh, he had another pair of hits, including a, a, a triple. He's only 18. He played in the DSL last year, but he's hitting 381 with a 500 on base this year. It's, uh, it's again, small season, and you can't look at stat lines in um, in the AZL in too the AZL, much. Right. But you're an, an infielder that's that's playing that well, and he moved Jordy Barley over to third base because his hands are that good. Yeah, there's so many shortstops. Right, but the athletes in shortstops can turn into third basemen, can turn into outfielders, could they can go anywhere. Maybe turn into pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman. Shout out to Trev. Um, you know, Jason Panetta, the youngest position player in the 2017 draft, has been on fire to start the year. The corner infielder has a pair of doubles and a single to push his slash line to 450, 540, 725. He also has eight walks against just eight strikeouts. And 50 trips to the plate. Now, now he's in Tri-Cities? He's in. This is AZL stuff. This oh, is, okay. This is still in the complex ball. And, and you know, that's okay. Uh, Jaquiz Williams hit his first homer of the year after pacing the AZL club with six last year. And he, they just drafted him. Yeah. The 20-year-old from Georgia was worked both to transform his body and we work his swing to let his prodigious raw power translate into games. That sounds so sexy. Well, he's a football player. 
He was one of the two-way athletes, wasn't he? Oh, that's right. Was he yeah. a deep, defensive back guy, maybe? Yeah. yeah, so then your body's built for running and hitting guys. Now, now you got to change to hitting a baseball and throwing okay. a ball. I love it, though, because there's, there's yeah. ceiling there. There's, there's, yeah. or there's, there's more juice to squeeze out of that rock. It's clay. You can mold it into whatever we can mold it into. Yes. Uh, Omar Cruz, the four-pitch mix has been a lot for the AZL hitters. The 19-year-old signed into Mexico the July uh, 2nd last year, gave up his first earned run in his second walk, but he's been a stellar in his first three professional outings. Six-foot-one lefty, sports a nine-to-two nine strikeout-to-walk ratio through 12 innings. Opponents are hitting just 182. Once again, these are just my minuscule amounts of information in, mm-hmm. in, in play. But he was signed last year, so he was limited to the $300,000 limit. I don't right. know what they signed him to, but that goes to show that you don't need to be making a splash, paying millions of dollars to these international guys. There are lots of guys out there that are signing for for $10,000, yeah. $100,000. We had a couple of draft picks this year signing for 5000 which is like a bucket of balls and yeah, and in in yeah. draft pick pool money. Mhm. Well, that's about it. We're going to get out of here. Um, you got anything else, Roy? Oh, I was going to try to pull up the draft tracker because I heard that they signed one more guy this morning. Boobly, boobly. I, I, can't, I can't pronounce that. Gil- Gilby. Evan Gilby, Gilby I, think, I think his name was. Uh, Sean, Sean Gilby. So he was signed out of high school. They wound up going. So he was picked in the 12th round. So after the 10th round, um, anything over $125,000 counts against your draft pool. Right. So after the Padres signed Ryan Weathers, um, they used every penny of their bonus money of the limit that they had for the first ten rounds. You can go a ha- you can go five hundred thousand dollars over that before you go into penalty. Okay. So they have a little bit to play with. They signed Gilby for three hundred thousand, I think. So that used up one hundred seventy-five mm. of the five hundred so that they've got left. left. So they still have some money to throw around at some of these because they'll take these. Uh, they'll kind of take a lottery pick late in the in the draft. Maybe a guy you don't think might. Sign. And Maybe we, they want to go to college, but then uh, you throw another couple hundred grand at them, and that'll change their mind. Absolutely. And we didn't even talk about Ryan Weather signing. Yes. He didn't. He sign on. Did he not? Did he sign on Saturday? I think he did. Yeah. They're, they're it just, was over the weekend. Look at all these things happening for you guys' engagement. They're like, <laughs> you know, wasn't miserable. You know, wasn't Eric's trolling him that signed it? it was like, oh, I heard Eric and our um, man Eric ro- trolled him hard ro- too. He did. I'm sorry, Roy and Angela got engaged. I think I'll sign. Look at his fan base. Um, signed for a little over slot money? Mm-hmm. No, no, he signed for exactly the slot. That's perfect. I, yeah, I, I, they, they thought that maybe he would sign for under, but he's going to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Vanderbilt's a hard school to sign guys away from. His dad's a major leaguer, so I'm sure his dad and the agents working with him were in his ear like, get everything you can. Right. You know, they drafted you, they want you, they can't just let you go, so you can't leave money on the table. You know, I read the article this morning from MLB, uh, it might have been AJ Casavell, that his dad let him make that decision, like didn't give mm-hmm. him any, like he's, the the family dynamic there is, is, is the dad is let him just be whoever he wants. After a bad game, he wouldn't tell his son what he did wrong, what he has to do. He let him figure that out. I really, I can respect that. Allowing your son athlete to be whoever he's going to be without too much interference from a father who's been there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can understand being there for emotional support, but like not being the overbearing dad, you know, 
hovering over your son after every start, every failure, every success, and just bombarding him with all this information and letting him figure it out by himself, which I think goes a long way with creating development of character and makeup. Letting him do it by himself allows him to know that he can that he can do it. Well, and his father was saying that, that Ryan is where he was at age like 26 or 27, that it took him a long time to figure out a lot of the things that Ryan's already put together for himself. So... The body's fully developed. I can't imagine that there's any projection in the frame. But he's already he's got a, he can throw in the mid nineties. He's yeah. got. You know, it's not like you need to. You know, hope that the guy adds a few more miles an hour. It's just a matter of refining the command and the location and the 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 sequencing and all of those things. But it sounds like he's pretty far along already. Yeah. And his numbers in high school, his senior year, were better than Mackenzie Gore's were the year before. Yeah. In video game numbers. Yeah. And taking a few less innings too. I think he didn't. I think he pitched in eighty-one innings, maybe seventy-nine innings. I'm not okay. I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, and his nickname is Porkchop, so you gotta love a guy like with the nickname Porkchop. Yeah. <laughs> I I hope they're not too hard on him uh, in the complex. It would be nice to see him in Tri City. Well, as when you see a body like that, you you wonder about how is he going to develop mm. and what's his body going to look like down the road? Because there are some guys. Yeah, I mean, you look at, and he reminds me of, um, oh my God, David. Uh, well, I don't know, but I know if I don't go to the gym, <laughs> I start putting on the weight right away. Former I, I, Padre, former Yankee. Um, David Wells. Had a beard. David Wells, thank you. Um, and then CC Sabathia. So CC Sabathia lost a whole bunch of weight at one point, and mm-hmm. he said that it actually affected his mechanics in a negative way. Yeah. And he put the weight back on, and then he was successful again. He's pitching today. Yeah, but... It, it, you know, that's when you see a kid who's 18 he's built like that you know that they're going to have to manage that and control that right well see they have an Apollo Sandoval several years ago they had him lose a bunch of weight and next year he, was, he couldn't hit it changes the body the mm-hmm. swing oh, everything changes when you start taking off large amounts of weight and that mass is gone your body's been used to pitching hitting with that structure and then you change that you have to change everything I heard Craig Stadler the golfer he, the walrus he was a big round guy lost a bunch of weight and his swing was different because his his arms could go places where they couldn't go before right it's like he needed that flesh to keep his body in the right spot anyway I'm digressing but we are, we're glad that Ryan Weathers signed and uh, we're starting to see some of these other slots get get picked so um, they've got until um, they've got two more days to sign the rest of their their uh, the draft picks. And most of the important ones have signed. So some of those longer, you know, third, second day guys don't sign. It's it's not that big of a deal. But I, I think Preller will get it done. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm SD Donovan. You can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. And I am Roy DJ, uh, Zippy underscore TMS. Um, and I'm on Gaslamp Ball occasionally as well. Have a great day. Yeah, you have a great day, too. God, God bless America. God bless America. Happy Fourth of July, folks. Bing 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 bing